Right. Good morning, freedom. So over the past few weeks, we've been going through uh, the book of Colossians in our series, Like and Follow. You know, what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? Now, as we head into today's message, we're going to explore what it means to live a life worth subscribing to. Today, if you've got your Bibles with you or if you open version, we're going to be diving into Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Now, over the past few weeks, you know, of watching Pastor Tracy up here recite the word from memory, you know, I've noticed something that, like, might be the trick. And I think it's when she, like, steps to the side here. You know, she just kind of comes to the right and she does it. I think that's the trick. That's what does it. So that's what we're going to do this morning, all right? So Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. No, no, I'm going to come back here. All right, I missed a part. (laughs) Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There we go. All right. So it is going to the right here. All right. I just did that on the spot. Yeah, totally just did that on the spot. Now, when it comes to the topic of sharing our faith with others, there's usually a couple of reactions. We unanimously agree that it is important in the life of a believer to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Of course. You know, we know that. We all agree on that point, right? But then we get one of two things happening. You know, we have one camp, and they are gifted in evangelism, and they are passionate about it. They are on fire for this call to go out and to make disciples. They think, of course, this is what we're called to do. You know, we need to get out there. We need to meet people where they're at and tell them about the incredible freedom and transformation that's found in Jesus Christ. So that's, that's our one camp. They're ready to go. Just send me, Lord. This is me. You know, not me specifically, but like in general. And then we have the other camp, you know, the one that the majority of believers find themselves in, where they hear the word evangelism, and although they wholeheartedly agree that it's important and to support others in doing so, even just the mention of it gets their heart beating a little faster. You probably know who you are today. You know, the thought of going out and talking to strangers or even, you know, people that they know about God, you know, that they serve is absolutely nerve-wracking. And they're not quite sure what to do or even how to go about it. So whether we find ourselves in that place or in the camp of our fiery evangelists, you know, how do we respond to this call? How do we live our lives in such a way that shows that this life is actually worth subscribing to? Well, the Apostle Paul, he lays out a bit of a framework here for how we should go about it. You know, he begins by telling us that we should devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You know, as believers, we have to ensure that our lives are just absolutely covered in prayer. This is essential. Luke 18, verse 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to not give up. We need to be continually praying, asking God to shape us and to transform us, allowing him to uncover things in our lives that we need to get rid of or to let go of so that we can draw closer to him and become more like Christ in the process. Matthew 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. As imperfect humans, we are going to desire to do the things that we shouldn't. It's in our fallen nature. That's why he tells us to be watchful, you know, to be in constant prayer in order that our lives line up with how God shows us to live in his word. We should know that it's by the strength and direction of the Holy Spirit that we're able to continue to walk on the path that God has laid out for us. And in all of this, we are to be thankful in our prayers as well. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As you and I know, when we decide to follow Jesus, it brought about this incredible freedom and transformation in our lives. And as we continue to walk through this life with him, we should acknowledge our thankfulness for the work that he's done and is continuing to do in our lives. All of this is the first part of Paul's urging of the believers in Colossae to make an effort to reach the unbelievers. It begins with a life transformation to the point where our lives actually align with what we claim to believe, where we're living lives that are experiencing the full freedom that Christ gave us and also living in complete submission to Christ and how the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing our lives. He goes on to ask that they would pray that God may open a door for our message so that they may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now, there are a couple implications here. One is that Paul was possibly asking for prayer that he would be released from prison, like a physical door would be opened, so that he would be free to spread the gospel more freely. But it's more likely that he was actually talking about praying that the group of them, including Timothy, Epaphras, and others, that they would be able to preach the gospel far beyond what they can do themselves. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit guiding and speaking through them in order to accomplish the task set before them. They needed the Holy Spirit to open the ears of the people to hear what was being said to them and to ultimately have the Holy Spirit work on the hearts and minds of those that were being evangelized to. Paul needed the help of the Holy Spirit to break down those barriers that were getting in the way of the gospel being received by others. And we need to be praying for the same. You know, sometimes it's not a lack of opportunities to share our faith. It's just that we've never actually prayed for God to open the door so that we could. We need to start praying that God would both prepare us for when opportunities arise to lead us to those he wants us to speak to and to pray that they would be receptive to the message of the gospel. And you may be thinking, well, there's so many things that are stopping me from doing that. There are just way too many barriers. I would simply say that you need to start praying in faith that God would knock down those barriers and clear the way for you because it is possible. It doesn't matter if you are one of those fiery evangelists, like that is your gifting, that is your calling or not. It doesn't matter if you're extroverted or introverted. He will begin to break down those barriers. And let's be real, like some of you are called to change the world and others of you are called to change one individual person's world. It doesn't matter what scale that is on. It is all just as important. And we need to start praying for that. What I love about Paul, what Paul says next is his level of expectation for himself as a believer. He asks for prayer that he would proclaim the message clearly and he ends it with, as I should. As I should. You know, like he is just so confident about this. He's like, this is an expectation for myself. Like I really should know what I'm talking about. I really should be able to proclaim this clearly to people. And we may not all be at that level of readiness or confidence, but I pray that each and every one of us will be working towards a place where we just know the gospel of Christ so intimately and understand it in our lives so fully that we would be ready on a moment's notice to share with anyone that he would be led to. As I should, 
That's the type of confidence in the Holy Spirit to speak through me that I wanna have. There's a reason that he asked for prayer for this too. This prayer for clarity is his conveyal of the message of Christ is because sometimes our speech can be a barrier at times when we don't convey it carefully. Sometimes this incredibly profound message is misunderstood and Paul simply wants to speak clearly so that the Holy Spirit can work and flow through his message and open up their understanding to what is being said. A lot of times when we don't understand what we're saying, a lot of times when we don't actually fully understand the scriptures, well, we start saying things that we probably shouldn't. And so we need to make sure that we are clear on that message, that we are really fully understanding what it is that we believe. And then we go out and we proclaim it clearly because we actually understand the God that we serve. You know, and just as Paul prays for that, of course, we need to be praying into that as well. You may not have the smoothest of speech, you know, but I know from experience time and time again that when you ask that God would give you the words to speak, he will. We need to be open and willing to be used by him. And I promise you that he will break down those barriers, whatever that is. It doesn't matter if you are a smooth talker. It doesn't matter if you stutter over your words. I stutter over my words all the time, but yet God still uses me. And then Paul tells us to be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. This is, of course, referring to unbelievers. You know, as our lives are transformed by Christ, of course, our lives should line up with what the word says to be true. There should be evidence of Christ shining through you, not just at church, you know, but when you find yourselves in the company of unbelievers, wherever that may be. Maxie Dunham, the Bible commentator and evangelist said, we have no power to convert. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our witness is not ours. It is the witness of Jesus Christ. If our words and the way we present those words do not reflect his love and concern, then we need not be surprised when they fall on stony ground. We need to make sure that we share this message. You know, it is filled with the love of the God we serve. And being wise includes knowing the difference between just telling a statement or winning an argument and sharing a message out of wholehearted love for that person. We can't be combative when we're conveying the gospel. The theologian William Barclay said that the Christian must behave himself with wisdom and with tact towards those outside of the church. He must of necessity be a missionary, but he must know when and when not to speak to others about religion and theirs. He must never give the impression of superiority and of censorious criticism. Few people have ever been argued into Christianity. And I know that many of you know that to be true. Many of you have argued with other people online. I've seen it. <laughs> But we all know that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> and it's not going to go anywhere when we're trying to proclaim the gospel to people that do not know Jesus quite yet. They need to see that love. They need to see that understanding, that open ear to hear what they've been going through. We need to be people of understanding and of love. And man, that statement is as true today as when it was written back in 1956, right? And as we share the message of Christ, may we remember that this is never a battle of opinions, but rather a person that God wants to see come home to him. We must be wise in how we approach these conversations and how we handle ourselves, again, even online. Matthew 10, 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. In our efforts to evangelize, sometimes we can act a little weird about it. 
You know, in that passage, we think of snakes as this like untrustworthy animal, but what it means is that we are just meant to be unassuming in our relationships with unbelievers. In other words, just be normal, act natural. I'm not gonna walk up to, you know, my friend who's an unbeliever and be like, hey, it's a good day to be washing the blood of Christ, amen? I'm gonna be like, I'm sorry, what cult are you a part of? Like, <laughs> no one is gonna respond to that. Like, just have a regular conversation with your friends and out of those relationships are gonna come those more natural conversations about life and faith. It is okay to be normal. We don't have to force it. A while ago, I had met a couple of people, you know, just by chance, you know, one day in the mall. And we struck up a conversation and we hit it off right away. And so we ended up staying in touch. And one day I was over at their place and we were hanging out and I was just chatting about life with them and, you know, what we do and our different mutual interests and, you know, just getting to know a little bit more about each other over some food. You know, it was great. We were having a good time. And then I remember that our conversation shifted a little bit. They began talking about the business that they were a part of and that they loved doing. And they were telling me all about how great it is and how amazing this community of business leaders is and how they couldn't be happier to be doing what they were doing. And immediately, like as he started talking about that, I was like, oh, here we go. Here it comes. And then came the sales pitch. They're trying to sell me on this business community that they were a part of. And I remember just feeling like this feeling of disappointment you know, I was like, man, like this whole friendship here is based on being sold something. So I'm like, for one, absolutely not. <laughs> and two, let's just drop that in any future interactions. I'd appreciate that. You know, we still keep up now, but they know that that's not going to be a thing. And I know that if you've ever experienced someone using your relationship simply to sell you something or building a relationship with you just for their own personal gain, you feel incredibly disappointed. Nobody likes that. And the thing is, is that we do this sometimes when it comes to evangelism and our interactions with unbelievers. Instead of just being natural and building genuine trust and real relationships, we target a person and we try to sell them the gospel in this nice little package. Our relationships with outsiders should never be transactional, but they should be transformational. One, because Christ is just so evident in your life that they recognize the difference in you and feel that genuine love from you. And two, Eventually, conversations begin to flow naturally because you actually care about one another's lives enough to ask what actually matters to them and to you. So when you talk about Jesus and what he's done in your life, it doesn't feel like a sales pitch, but rather something that you genuinely care about and it has been an integral part of your life and they see that your life has been different because of it. Back when I uh, was still working at Starbucks, you know, all my coworkers, they all knew that I was a pastor, right? And so, I mean, actually, they thought I was a priest because they all thought I wore robes and everything when I was up here. And I was like, no, 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 like, that's, that's the other guys. But uh, working, th working there, we had conversations about everything, you know, when it wasn't a rush. And there was this one season while I was there that it was just this incredibly tough season that I was going through at the time. And some of them had known about it. And so they asked me, like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, you almost seem happier right now. And I was like, yeah. You know what, like it's definitely been a bit of a rough time, but you know what, I've been more at peace lately because I know that God has it figured out and I'm just choosing to trust that he knows what he's doing. And just in this conversation, we were able to like naturally talk about faith without anyone feeling like defensive or like a conversation was being forced or anything like that because there was actual real genuine relationship there. We had actually invested in each other's lives a little bit and actually taken the time to learn a little bit about one another. 
And then those conversations just begin to spring up, begin to ask you a little bit about what you're doing, why you do it, right? And then conversation flows from there. And I know that so many of you are already positioned in such incredible places where these natural conversations can take place. For many of you, it's going to be your workplace. You're around them more than pretty much anyone, right? You know, for others of you, it's, you know, at school, which is another place where those relationships, they are already built in. You see them every single day. Now, some of you, you might not be in a place where it's built in like that. Personally, my job doesn't really afford me any opportunities to evangelize to my coworkers. You know, maybe the intern, but other than that. So if you're in the same boat as me, you're going to have to be intentional about placing yourself in spaces where natural relationships with unbelievers can take place. Like, I just decided to join a beach volleyball league. I was like, you know what? What the heck? You know, let's do this. You know, it's a little bit of fun. You know, I don't know anybody there. And as someone who's like naturally introverted, it takes me pushing myself a little bit to just step into those, you know, spaces a little bit. But I know it's worth it. And it's also a fun time too. So I was like, why not? Let's do this. You know, whatever space that we find ourselves in, let's make the most of every opportunity that we're given. Like, I literally think about, like, next Thursday when I'm going to go back and we're going to play our third game together. And they're all like, hey, like, we want to hang out after. And I'm like, hey, absolutely. I was like, let's do this, right? And so it's just like these natural relationships that begin to form because you intentionally place yourself in those spaces. And it's honestly, it's a lot easier than you think sometimes. I literally signed up online and it took three seconds and then I showed up. Got a couple new friends now. <laughs> Finally, Paul closes with, like, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's the thing, like, when we have conversations that are just, like, full of grace, it doesn't mean that we're combative. It means that, like, when someone's coming at you and, like, maybe they're a little combative and they're coming at you, you're not going to return that in kind. You're not going to go back to them and you're going to be like, oh, man, I can't believe you believe that. Like, you are a terrible person. What is wrong with you? No, you're not going to be that. You're going to be like, hey, why do you believe what you believe? Why exactly is that? Hear them out. Get to the root of the issue. See what really is happening behind the scenes. And actually get to know this person and where all of this is coming from. Like, let your conversation be always full of grace. Look, I don't agree with everyone ever. Like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I am a very strongly opinionated person, but the thing is, is like, I've had to learn as well, like, and it has taken growth in my life over the years, and I'm still working on it, but like, man, like, when somebody is annoying, like, you know, me a lot, <laughs> like, it takes a little bit to stand there and just be like, I'm not going to engage with that, all right, so sometimes I'm just going to back out. And other times, you know what, I'm just going to be relaxed about it. I'm going to be like, you know what, God, please direct this conversation because I don't want to deal with it right now. And there's a lot of things that I want to say that is going to get me in trouble and I really should not be doing that. And so Holy Spirit, guide me and lead me, please. And then he says to be seasoned with salt. You know, I'm sure all of you guys are cooks out there. You know, you guys are all like top chefs and everything. You got to season things with at least salt. Please say that you at least season it with salt a little more. But like that brings out the flavor in something, right? Now, a lot of people, they look at the church and, you know, they have this like image of this like stuffy place, right? Where everyone's just like all a little uptight and whatnot. But like, as many of you know, like 
so many of us are not like that. And if you are, well, you don't have to be like that. <laughs> and so when we're having these conversations with other people, when we're building these relationships with, um, you know, unbelievers, like it's okay to let loose a little bit, obviously still holding to the truth that is in the word of God, but it is okay to have a little bit of fun, all right? We season it with a little bit of salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you know that over 72% of people polled in every generation said that they want to grow spiritually? Over 79% of every generation said that they think a spiritual or supernatural dimension exists. And over 76% said they believe in God or a higher power. This was a poll done by Barna Group, a Christian research organization. And just looking at those numbers, I just think like, man, like, there's so many people that are open to those conversations about faith in God. It doesn't matter if they're Christian or not. It doesn't matter if they're atheist. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim or Hindu or, you know, some other religion. It doesn't matter. They are open to these conversations about God, and we are holding back because we're afraid of what people will think. And yeah, sometimes we might get rejected. It might get shut down, but that's okay. That's a part of life. But the reality is, is that more people than you think are going to be open to having these conversations. And we got to be open to those opportunities. we got to be praying and asking God that he would lead us to those right people and then ask him to speak through us because we really need him to speak through us because I know that I can't do it on my own. I know that I'm going to mess up. I'm going to stutter over my words. I'm going to trip up, forget everything I ever learned in that moment right there. But I just pray that God would speak through me and that, you know, that conversation would be full of grace that that conversation would be full of love, that that conversation would be full of truth, and that these people would come to know Christ because of how I've allowed Christ to work through my life, because of how I've allowed the Holy Spirit to work through my life. And it is a work in progress. I am a long way from perfection, and I'm gonna be working towards that every single day for the rest of my life, and I know everyone here is as well. But it's gonna take work, And it's going to take submission to the will of God and allowing him to lead us and direct us and speak through us and allow him to like just pull us back when we need to be pulled back and to send us forward when we need to go forward. But it just takes a little bit of trust. And people are so, so ready for these conversations. And people are watching. That's the reality. People are watching. I'm just going to call the worship team up. But a little while ago, I had a... uh, old friends, they went to elementary school with me. So it had been a really long time. And I got this message from them and they responded to a story that I had posted. And the story was um, literally just about this book that I had gotten, I was excited about, you know, I was looking forward to getting into it. And it was about, actually it was, I think it was a commentary, it was a New Testament commentary. You know, I'm interested in those things. But they responded to this story and they said, how could you believe something so blindly? How could you believe that when, how could you believe any of that when there is so much evil and suffering in the world? And they went on and on and on. I was like, all right, did not expect this conversation today. Lord, please guide me in this. And so we began to have this conversation and I was like, hey, you know what? Great questions. Those are really good questions. And I started to list all of the reasons, you know, that I believed, you know, what I believe. This is the reason. And I understand that, yeah, there is evil and suffering in the world, but I also believe that we serve a good God who gave us free will. And we began to discuss all of these different uh, topics of conversation. And over time, you know, this went on for weeks. These conversations did not stop. 
And over time, I realized that there was just a ton of hurt underneath all of that anger. There was so much hurt, and I realized that it was coming from a place of hurt and not from a place of just like, man, like I want to fight you or anything like that. Like they literally just needed to be heard. And so as we continued to have these conversations and we continued to go deeper into it, I was like, hey, look, like you do realize that those things that, you know, you're opening up to me about, and I honestly, I genuinely appreciate all of that. There is forgiveness for that. Like you don't need to stay in the shame that you're feeling right now. You don't need to stay in the guilt that you're feeling right now. Like there is a God that actually genuinely loves you, that genuinely like wants to forgive you and genuinely wants to bring you home. And we continued to have these conversations. And it was just like, I realized, I was like, man, like there are so many people watching that you don't even realize all the time. And I hope that my life lines up with what I preach on a Sunday. And I know that some days it doesn't. And I got to repent for that. But every single day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to ask God to give me the strength to be a little bit more like him. I'm going to ask God to pull me back when I need to be. And I'm going to ask God to give me the boldness to go out and to talk to people and give me just the strength to do that and the words to speak to these people because I know I can't do it on my own because I know I'm going to hesitate and I know I'm going to pull back a little bit because, you know, I'm a little introverted and I'm a little shy at times. And I'm like, man, I don't really want to start a conversation with a complete stranger. But you know what, God? I trust you. I trust you. And so every single day, I just hope to be a little bit more like him. Every single day, I hope that my life lines up with his words so that when people ask me about what I believe and why I believe it, my life actually shows evidence of that. And in a moment, we're gonna head back into worship. But I would encourage you to do two things this morning. One is to pray and ask that God would place a name of somebody on your heart this week to pray for and to begin starting that relationship with. And I'm not talking about a fake relationship where you have an end goal, you have a project or anything like that. I'm talking about a genuine relationship that God can use to show Christ's love to them. And the other thing is that I would encourage you to evaluate the life that you're living today and if it is truly reflective of Christ and worth following when others witness how you carry yourselves. Because I do truly believe that when we have a group of people that are living on call, on mission, just submitted to the will of God, that that is a life worth subscribing to. That when the world sees that, they're going to say, I want that. What is that? I need that. Pray for the boldness. Pray for the direction. Pray that he would lead you to some specific person. That pray that he would give you the words to say to them. And lead them to Christ. Because, man, there's so many people out there that are hurting, that are lost, that are in need of Christ. And we need to go reach them. And I believe there's a whole lot more people than just the ones in this room today that feel like they are those fiery evangelists. I believe that there are people today that feel like that have felt up to this point like they can never do that. They can never share their faith. They can never talk to anyone else. They can never even talk to a stranger because they've just been holding back so much. Pray that he would break down those barriers. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all those people that you've led us to over the years. Thank you for even how this church came to be, for how all these people came together. Because at one point, everyone in this room came to Christ. At one point, everyone in this room experienced the love of God for the first time. And they experienced that transformation that is only found in Him. Father, I pray that everyone in this room, that we would live on call, on mission, that 
Father, our lives would just reflect your love and your light to this world that so desperately needs it. Father, I pray that our places of work, that our spheres of influence, Father, that our schools, that everywhere that we go, that Lord, you would be present there. Father, that we would welcome you in, that we would allow you to speak through us, that we would allow you to use us and guide us, Father. Because Father, this world needs so much more of you and so much less of us. So Father, I pray today that we just let go of control of everything in our lives and we give it up to you and allow you to guide us this week. And not just this week, but every week after that. So Father, may we become more like you. And may so many people come to Christ because of the work that you're doing in and through each and every one here.